MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, March 8th, 2021. Today, Democrats have passed the American Rescue Plan, propping up the middle class with $1.9 trillion. A Trump campaign aide and State Department appointee is arrested for his role in the insurrection. The FBI finds a contact between a member of the Proud Boys and the White House before the attack on the Capitol. Rep Zoe Lofgren catalogs GOP members spreading the big lie leading up to the siege. Eric Swalwell sues Trump for his role in the insurrection. The Fulton County, Georgia DA hires a top RICO prosecutor for her investigation into Donald, and Manchin signals that he's amenable to amending the filibuster. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, hey, happy Monday. And and you know what? We're already a week through March. It seems oh. to be going regular speed. Watch, just careful. Careful what you say, A.G. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. So far, everything's okay. <laughs> So far. Uh, Yeah. And Biden even moved up his uh, end of May supply for every adult to be vaccinated to mid-May. We had a record setting 2.9 million doses administered. Um, The last count, uh, it's going up. He will easily make his 100 million shots in arms in in the first 100 days. Uh, of course, Republicans are like, oh, well, the schools aren't open yet. And I'm like, it's day 48. He yep. said 100 days. Like, yeah. calm. I really calm. hope that. I mean, what he has done with this, um, with what he started, he has really pulled off something tremendous. And I do hope that he gets the proper credit for what he's done with this vaccination rollout after what we started with. It's been in, it's been pretty amazing. And the COVID relief plan, too. He pitched $1.9 He got $1.9 There were some... Uh, small concessions with a couple of Democrats. Uh, but it, it took 32 days from start to finish. The Affordable Care Act was half as much, cost half as much, and it took nine months. Yep. Um, so it, and that's no slam on Obama. Back then, he was trying to negotiate with Republicans, and Republicans were proposing amendments that were being let in in, in exchange for a vote, a, a promise to vote yes on it. And then the Republicans reneged on their promises. So we learned our lesson. I think is what's I hope so. <laughs> what's happening. Uh, but we got it passed really quickly. And then, of course, I'm going to be talking with Adrian Fontes. He's the former Maricopa County recorder. Um, just really incredible uh, guys doing a lot of great work out in Arizona. We talk a little bit about what's going on with the, the anti-voting bills that are coming out of the Arizona state legislature and some of the other antics that are happening. Maybe he can talk to a certain senator about not... <laughs> taking her theatrics into voting sessions. We did mention that. We didn't mention the theatrics. Uh, although, I mean, you know, a lot of people at, uh, at Kirsten Cinema's office were, were calling it sexist to be upset with the way in which she physically voted. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. She looked like a dick to me. But, uh, yeah. you know, I... <laughs> that was just no you and i are on the same page i think it was completely inappropriate if you want to vote no fine you can talk about it she said that she didn't like that the minimum wage happened to be in the covid relief plan you don't need to walk in there like marie antoinette and you know with your little skirt in your expensive bag and go and put your thumb down like be an adult mm-hmm. and you know i was trying to do like john mccain no 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 john mccain was voting against people having health care taken away from them yeah 
you were voting against raising the minimum wage, which you ran on. Right. And you, she said she doesn't want to do it now. She would look at a bill. I always think back to the night I met her. I, want, I was backstage at a gala and Adam Rapon was talking to some woman and I wanted to meet Adam. So I, I walked up and, you know, waited and I was like, hey, and they both turned around and introduced myself to Adam Rapon. And then I asked this woman to take a picture of us. And she was a little off put it, you know, she was a little put off by the whole thing and was really upset that I didn't know who she was. And that's the night I met Kirsten Cinema. <laughs> She did not like that. I didn't have any idea who she was until she started running. But okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, also this Wednesday, clean up on aisle 45. We've got uh, Merrick Garland vote set for this Wednesday. So that's going to be a big, a big fun thing. Now we record that show on Monday. So keep that in mind. But Merrick Garland scheduled a vote. Uh, for his confirmation is Wednesday. Also hearings for Vanita Gupta start this week, Department of Justice, Civil Rights Division. And then Dana, every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 Eastern, uh, you and I are on the stereo app. We had so much fun last week. If you were on the (laughs) app with us, thank you for the laughter, all of it. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. Yeah. I sang a song. You killed a song. You didn't just sing a song. <laughs> Everyone was blown away by that. I was blown away by that. It was so much fun. So for all those weird, fun, cool after party shenanigans, like seriously, think about an after party. That's what's happening. Indeed. And you can download Stereo app. It's free. Just go to Stereo.com slash Allison Gill. Now, we have a lot of news to get to this week. A lot. So let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, everybody, lead story. President Biden's sweeping $1.9 trillion stimulus bill passed a deeply divided Senate on Saturday. The Senate is the only thing divided. The American people are not. We'll get into that in a minute. Democrats pushed through a pandemic aid plan that includes an extraordinary increase in uh, the spending in the largest anti-poverty effort in a generation. The package, which still must pass the House again before it heads to Joe Joe Biden's desk, President Biden's desk, to be signed into law, is the first major legislative initiative of his presidency. And it comes at like day 40-something, you know, like 48, just incredibly fast. And the measure Mm -hmm. seeks... At once, it seeks to curtail the coronavirus pandemic, bolster the sluggish economy, protect the neediest people within it. He's starting from the ground up, unlike the tax plan, which there was no economic crisis or pandemic when that was passed uh, that gave a bunch of money to rich people. Because we all know uh, there's just a ton of evidence that trickle-down economics works. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, Rudy Giuliani's hair dye actually trickles down (laughs) faster than Reagan economics. I remember we had an old episode of Mueller, she wrote, called The Thick Trickle-Down Boys. And that's what we referred to <laughs> dudes in, Republican dudes in Congress as. Um, now, Republicans voted unanimously against the bill and assailed it as unnecessary and unaffordable. Uh, the cool thing is they're going to have a hard time proving that uh, come election time, uh, unless shit goes bad. You know, they're, they're not going to be like, there was just too much money. Look how successful right. we are. That's not that's not a... <laughs> It's not going to work out well. No. Um, It would inject vast amounts of federal resources into the economy, including one-time direct payments of up to $1,400 for hundreds of millions of Americans, jobless aid of $300 a week to last through September, Uh, money for distributing coronavirus vaccines, relief for states, cities, schools, and small businesses. Beyond immediate aid, the bill, titled the American Rescue Plan, is estimated to cut poverty by a third this year and would plant the seeds for what Democrats hope will become an income guarantee for children. It would potentially cut child poverty in half, uh, 
though a generous expansion of tax credits for Americans with children, which Democrats hope to make permanent, increases in subsidies for child care, uh, a broadening of eligibility under the Affordable Care Act, meaning you can only be capped at 8% of your income as, as the cost of your uh, monthly um, premium for the Affordable Care Act, the highest plan, and expansion of food stamps and rental assistance. It's, it's, it's truly an incredible bill. Researchers at Columbia University project the overall package will lift more than 13 million people from poverty this year, including nearly 6 million children, and estimate that a permanent program of children's payments would decrease child poverty by half. Tell me how the Republican tax plan did any of that. It did not. And zero Republicans, zero voted for it. Yep. And on the cusp of this first major legislative achievement, two-thirds of Americans, more than two-thirds, 68 percent approve of Biden's handling of the pandemic. That is a consistent result since he took office in January. Uh, at, at a moment of deep political polarization, his steady approval, also reinforced by positive marks from 35 percent of Republicans, 67 percent of independents and an overwhelming 98 percent of Democrats in the poll, which was conducted by Ipsos in partnership with ABC News. Now, uh, I think that that's amazing and wonderful. And Bernie Sanders like touted the plan as the most progressive, amazing thing we've done for the middle class in a generation. Uh, I think that the entire 98 percent of Democrats are behind this 67 percent of independents. And I've never seen 35 percent of Republicans like anything. No kidding. That a Democratic administration has done. Yeah. Sher Brown, uh, Senator Sher Brown said this is the most spectacular thing he said he's done while he's been in the Senate his entire run. Yeah. Um, and he's such a good man. I think it's lost on, on some folks how big this legislation is. Two yeah. trillion dollars almost. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Mm. So hopefully we start seeing things turn around. Things are turning around already. Um, Donald in a lot of shit. Uh, the district attorney investigating whether former U.S., the former guy, we're just going to call him the former guy, investigating whether the former guy illegally interfered with Georgia's 2020 election has hired an outside lawyer who's a national authority on racketeering, AG. Mm. So uh, yeah, the Fulton County District District Attorney Feeney Willis has enlisted the help of Atlanta lawyer John Floyd, who wrote a national guide on prosecuting state racketeering cases. Kind of wrote the book on Rico. Kind of literally <laughs> wrote the book. I hope he throws it right at Donald's face. Uh, Floyd was, he was hired recently to provide help as needed on matters involving racketeering, including the Trump investigation and other cases. Mm -hmm which I think is very important. <clears throat> Lindsey Graham. The Giuliani or the Lindsey Graham. <clears throat> yeah. Lindsey Graham. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so the source uh, who has direct and who has direct knowledge of the situation, the move actually bolsters the teams investigating Trump as Willis prepares to issue subpoenas for evidence on whether the former president and his allies broke the law in their campaign pressure to state officials to reverse his Georgia election loss. Now, Willis said that our office would examine potential charges, including solicitation of election fraud, the making of false statements to state and local government bodies, conspiracy, racketeering, and those are just among other possible violations. The list goes on and on. Woo woo. Somebody's in trouble. Mm -mm -mm. Yep, yep. It's all going to start coming down. N -n 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 -n. Busted, moated. I'm so excited. All right. We'll keep an eye on that investigation for you. Thank you for that reporting, Dana. Yes, ma'am. All right, we've got a lot about the insurrection here. Let's see how fast I can get through it. Uh, three, two. Uh, a political appointee of President Donald Trump has been arrested on charges that he stormed the U.S. Capitol of January on January 6th and assaulted an officer with a weapon. I'll repeat that. An appointee of Donald Trump 
has been arrested on charges that he assaulted an officer with a weapon, marking the first arrest of a Trump administration official in connection with the insurrection. His name is Frederico Guillermo Klein, former State Department official. He made an initial appearance by teleconference on Friday before a magistrate judge, uh, Faruqi, in Washington, where prosecutors said they would seek to jail him pending trial. At a hearing next Wednesday, they want him held without bail. The court papers obtained by the Post, Washington Post, detail Klein's alleged conduct throughout the siege of the Capitol, tracing his apparent movements and actions from using a police shield to try to pry a door open to calling for reinforcements from a crowd. Klein had a top secret security clearance that was renewed in 2019. Uh, at the State Department. His LinkedIn profile, the FBI identified as Klein's, also listed a top-secret security clearance and shows that Klein has been politically active in the Republican Party since 08, when he began volunteering for political campaigns. Before joining the State Department in 2017, Klein worked on the Trump campaign, too, which paid him a salary of 15 grand. Prosecutors said they're seeking to jail him pending trial on the grounds that he's charged with assaulting an officer. Uh, and a member of the far-right nationalist Proud Boys was in communication with a person associated with the White House in the days just before the January 6th assault on the Capitol. Location, cellular, and call record data revealed a call tying a Proud Boys member to the Trump White House. The FBI has not determined what they discussed, and the official would not reveal the names of either party. Separately, Enrico Tario, a leader of the far-right nationalist Proud Boys, told the New York Times on Friday he called Roger Stone Jr., a close associate of Trump, while at a protest in front of the home of Senator Marco Rubio. Uh, during the protest, which occurred in the days before the Capitol, he put Mr. Stone on speakerphone to address the, cat, the crowd. A law enforcement official, though, says it was not Mr. Tario's communication with Stone that we're talking about here. That's not what's being scrutinized. And that the call made in front of Mr. Rubio's home was a different matter as well. That two members of the group were in communication with people associated with the White House underscores the access that violent criminalist extremist groups like the Proud Boys had to the White House and to people close to the former guy. And Rep. Zoe Lofgren has quietly posted a nearly 2,000-page report documenting social media posts by her Republican colleagues who voted against certifying results of the election on January 6th. The information compiled is not a secret, but the report is another sign of the deep distrust that has settled into the U.S. Capitol in the weeks since the insurrection. The report chronicles the social media activity of members on public forums immediately before the November election and right after the January 6th insurrection. The report has been online for a week. It features a collection of social media posts and tweets that span dozens of pages from Paul Gosar in Arizona, where he urges supporters to hold the line days before what would become the insurrection. In another social media post included in the report, Gosar wrote, Sedition and treason for stealing votes is appropriate. Hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> not not appropriate. Not appropriate. Not appropriate. <laughs> the uh, report also captures numerous tweets where Gosar invoked at Ali. Uh, that's on Twitter. That's you know Ali Alexander. Mm -hmm. um, that's the account formerly used by him and a leader of Stop the Steal, who said in several Periscope livestream videos he planned the rally that preceded the riot in conjunction with Gosar and two other congressional Republicans, Mo Brooks and Andy Biggs. Eric Swalwell now has filed a lawsuit against Trump, the former guy, for his role in the insurrection. This is now the second lawsuit brought against Trump, along with one filed by the NAACP. We will keep you posted on the disposition of that lawsuit as it unfolds. I imagine other congressional representatives will be signing on to it, as they did with the NAACP lawsuit as well. I hope it's lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. I just want the cards to come crumbling down on this this house of his. Uh, this is really interesting. Um, this guy is still on my shit list, but Senator Joe Manchin said Sunday he's open to altering the Senate filibuster, e.g. to make it more painful 
for the minority party to wield while reiterating his opposition to ending the procedural hurdle altogether. He said the filibuster should be painful. It really should be painful, and we've made it more comfortable over the years, he said. That was on Fox News Sunday. Um, maybe it has to be more painful. He's really into pain. I, would, I... I mean, I wonder if he wants it to be more painful. He only said it three times. Do you think... Maybe he wants it to be more painful. I, it's, it's unclear. It's really unclear to me. Um, let me continue with the story. Maybe we'll find out. Manchin has previously supported efforts to require senators to filibuster by talking on the chamber floor in order to hold up a bill, an idea he raised on NBC's Meet the Press. What a interesting idea, considering people like, you know, Davis just spoke about 13-hour filibuster to, you know, to hold up women's rights. I just can't with these guys. Yeah. Manchin, uh, he went on to say, if you want to make it a little more pain... Oh, he does want to make it painful. Okay, if you want to make it a little bit more painful, make him stand there and talk, Manchin said. I'm willing to look at any way we can, but I'm not willing to take away the involvement of the minority. How Right, which I think is what the Republicans feel like. Uh, I mean, they don't believe in that with voter suppression. They actually want to take away the involvement of the minority. However, yeah, different, different minority, <laughs> different minority. Manchin did not rule out using budget. Recon- this one is interesting to me. He doesn't rule out budget reconciliation process to pass a voting rights bill with a simple majority, keeping the door open to a potential workaround for the Democrats to push through a voting overhaul while preserving the filibuster. Now, the House on Wednesday, as we know, narrowly passed a sweeping package of election-related reforms, a proposal they'd given the the symbolically important designation of H.R. 1, and we've heard a lot about that. Now, it's not clear how Manchin envisioned that H.R. 1 could potentially be passed uh, through reconciliation because it's not a budget-related issue. Uh, Democrats' proposed minimum wage increase was tripped up by the process, just the process's strict rules and left on the cutting room floor. We saw that happen, as we talked about at the top of the hour with a few senators that we uh, <clears throat> are not happy with. Um, we do know the rules. We already know that the rules of budget reconciliation can be changed, so we can do that. However, they can only use it one more time this fiscal year, AG, and it's very likely they're going to be using that to pass a sweeping infrastructure bill, because it seems like with this administration, we might actually have infrastructure week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we're going to have the argument of does a voting rights bill take a backseat priority wise uh, or does H.R. 1 take a backseat priority wise? Does the John Lewis Voting Rights Act take a backseat priority wise to an infrastructure bill? This is where we're going to start seeing those kinds of arguments uh, because an infrastructure bill is directly a budget reconciliation consideration. You would not have to change the rules of budget reconciliation to use budget reconciliation to pass an infrastructure bill. You would have to change the rules to use your next shot at budget reconciliation to pass H.R. 1 or a voting rights, John Lewis Voting Rights Act bill. Now, next year, we get another shot to use the budget reconciliation. When is the end of the fiscal year? Is it October? It, it, September 30th. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. So next year, 2022, before the elections, we could then use budget reconciliation, change the rules and pass H.R. 1 or John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Uh, but we would only be able to do it once that year before elections happened. Right. Now, so that's kind of what's going on with that. Uh, at least he's not totally blocking everything here. Right. He's, again, still on my shit list. But um, <laughs> he's um, he's amenable to some of the Norman Ornstein ideas of, of for, you know, making it, what was the word? 
painful, painful uh, for the minority. They have to actually filibuster. You can't just, it's not a procedural thing anymore. Um, and putting the onus on the minority to have to be there. And there was a lot of really good ideas in that we came out with on Friday's show. And speaking of voting rights, Biden signed an executive order Sunday, expanding voting access in what the White House calls an initial step in its efforts to protect the right to vote and ensure all eligible citizens can freely participate in the electoral process. Sunday's order directs the heads of all federal agencies to submit proposals for their respective agencies to promote voter registration and participation within 200 days while assisting states in voter registration under the National Voter Registration Act. In addition, the order instructs the General Services Administration to modernize the federal government's vote.gov portal. So every agency has to do this. So I'm thinking I work over it when I worked over at the Department of Veterans Affairs. The Veterans Affairs would now have to put a proposal within the next 200 days on Biden's desk as to how they can help with voter registration. Can you imagine registering everyone who came into the VA? Incredible. I mean... Yeah, and that's and this is every single agency. It's it's truly amazing. Uh, I, I it's as much as you can do with an executive order. It also expands voter access and registration efforts for communities often overlooked in outreach, including the disabled, military serving overseas, and incarcerated people. Now, ahead of the signing, Biden spoke. Uh, about the order during virtual remarks at the Martin and Coretta King Unity Breakfast. That's an annual event commemorating Bloody Sunday, where African-American demonstrators demanding the right to vote were brutally beaten by police while crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma. Yeah. So So that's what he wanted to do today to commemorate Bloody Sunday. And um, he's a good man. It's so nice to have decency back in the White House. Yeah, it's as far as he can go by himself. It's up. It's up to the Senate and us to push the Senate and the the House to to take it the rest of the way. All right, we'll be right back with Adrian Fontes. We're going to talk about Arizona. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. When I was a kid, I used to keep a good luck charm with me all the time. These days, I keep my favorite game with me all the time. It's in my phone. It's in my purse. It's it's called Best Fiends. It's the top-rated mobile puzzle adventure game. Best Fiends has thousands of levels, plus new content added all the time, so it's always fresh. And you don't have to be a hardcore gamer to love it, which is good, because I'm not a hardcore gamer. It's a casual game, but it's made for adults, and it's fun for everyone. Unless you hate fun, in which case it's probably not for you. But it, this is really fun, and I love it because it's a refreshing break from the daily grind of news and politics, but it keeps my mind focused, and active. It's a really good, you know, strategic game. It's a great stress reliever too. And it's part of my self-care routine. I can focus on collecting my characters and leveling them up and working on the puzzles to engage my brain and have fun. My favorite thing is it doesn't require the internet. So I can play it anywhere at any time. I don't have to worry about accessing or using cell data. Uh, I've been playing for over a year. I'm still captivated by the increasingly challenging puzzles and beautiful visual design. It's very relaxing. kind of zen and best fiends is boredom's worst nightmare i love it there are literally thousands of levels to play and counting plus tons of cute characters you never get tired of solving puzzles Uh, and with best fiends the fun never ends so don't blame me if you become slightly obsessed (laughs) download best fiends free today on the apple app or google store that's friends without the r best fiends Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are excited today. We're talking to Adrian Fontes, Maricopa County, former Maricopa County recorder, and he was the chief administrator of the elections for 2.6 million American voters. Adrian, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Allison. No problem at all. I'm really excited to talk to you because there's a lot of stuff going on in Arizona uh, between what we saw that rep uh, try to propose the other day on the floor um, with all, and then again, all of this legislation they're trying to push through. And uh, I think it's important that we address because Arizona is 
such a pivotal and important state, and it was in 2020, and it will continue to be now, I believe, with the way things are going and the fact that you are you are all redistricting this year. So let's kick it off and, uh, with talking about the U.S. House of Representatives passing H.R. 1 and how that would impact the voters in Arizona. Can you talk a little bit about the provisions of H.R. 1? Yeah, absolutely. So there's several sections of H.R. 1. Uh, some of it has to do with campaign finance reform. Some of it has to do uh, with some of the other major infrastructure uh, parts of voting. But as it pertains specifically to voters, um, it really does uh, expand early voting. Uh, it expands the possibility of ballot by mail. It opens up voter registration. Uh, it really does support the idea that in this democracy, uh, the people's voice ought to matter, and it tries to bring as many people as possible into a position where they can easily vote. Uh, it gives a chunk of money to security uh, and helps uh, really local administrators and states as well uh, to lock down that infrastructure. So it's a really, really comprehensive bill, uh, probably the best shot in the arm that uh, American democracy has had since the Civil Rights Act uh, and the Voting Rights Act era uh, back in the 60s. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, because we have a few senators, including one from Arizona, who do not want to remove the filibuster, uh, that we aren't going to be able to get H.R. 1 passed uh, because we have, by law, one more shot to use budget reconciliation. We would have to change the budget reconciliation rules to allow H.R. 1 to get passed. But I, I, I think that they want to use their second shot, that fiscal year 2021 budget reconciliation process, to pass infrastructure. But today, Joe Biden has signed an executive order expanding voter access and registration efforts. Um, these are for communities often overlooked in outreach, including disabled, military, overseas, and the incarcerated. Uh, but also, and particularly in Arizona, talk a little bit about, um, f- for example, this new voter ID law and how that uh, impacts particularly indigenous peoples who live in your state. Because there, you know, there are a lot of folks on the reservation who, who can't have a physical address because everything is through P.O. Box. And I know that there was a problem with uh, with that in some other states, too. And I think that the Republicans are kind of looking to to piggyback off of uh, what they've found in other states to use there in Arizona. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The um, <laughs> the posture of uh, a lot of our legislative Republicans here and a lot of the laws that they've passed seem not to be so much anti-democratic, but anti-democracy, uh, right? They really are working their way through bit by bit, piece by piece. And in this session, really an avalanche of anti-voter laws uh, that have come through. As far as voter ID, I think it was last session during the 2022, uh, 2020 session, uh, might have been the one before they uh, instituted voter ID uh, during early in-person voting, uh, which had never been the case. And so now if you go to vote in person at any time during the course of an election in Arizona, you've got to present ID. Um, we have a lot of other very interesting, quirky things in Arizona as well. We're the only state in the union that has a Fed-only ballot. In other words, if you don't have uh, proof of citizenship, uh, if your sworn uh, prosecutable by perjury statement isn't enough, you get just a Fed-only ballot, right? You can only vote for president, Senate, and Congress. And, and then you can have a state ballot if you've proven it or if the local administrator can go find that information. So it, it, it just is one big piece uh, of the giant, or it's one a bunch of pieces of this bigger puzzle of really sort of a push towards authoritarianism from 
the political far right. And and here's the funny thing about it. I've worked with and, and still do work with plenty of Republican uh, county recorders and election directors uh, across Arizona who really want to expand access. Uh, they want to make things easier for a lot of people to vote. They want to make it easier for uh, Native Americans on reservations to vote. They want to increase access, um, you know, with even with mobile voting and registration, uh, trucks and things like this that are being done in, in very Republican counties. But it's the legislature. It's a small group of very powerful Republican politicians who are afraid of their voters. They're afraid of democracy. And, and they're going to keep pushing this uh, really terrible uh, agenda as they have this year. And, and, and uh, I mean, we could talk about some of those bills, but uh, boy, it's, it's, it's come to a head this year. Yeah, and, and Republicans know that when people can vote, they lose. Republicans lose. And um, the, their only remedy is to, as much as they can, limit people's access to, to the ballot box. And, and so even though ma- major prominent Republicans, who I would never call friend, said that there was no widespread voting f- voter fraud in 2020, they're still using the excuse that there's a potential for fraud. You know, like, I mean, I'm talking Bill Barr, Mitch McConnell. They lost 64 lawsuits that say, you know, to, because they had no evidence that there was voter fraud. And yet here they are saying there could be so much voter fraud. We have to make it real hard to vote. Well, and, and interestingly, you know, Stanford just came out with a study indicating that expanded ballot by mail and expanded access had almost no partisan impact whatsoever across the United States. Moreover, here in Arizona, We've always had a very healthy ballot by mail system, at least going back the last 20 years. We've always had a very healthy early voting system. We always had all of this stuff. And we've been a pretty dark red state during all that time. And if you look at some of the restrictions they're putting on ballot by mail, for example, one of the bills that's still going through tells you that you have to send like a Xerox copy of your ID in the ballot envelope with your ballot. That's one of the pieces of legislation they want to introduce here. So here's the deal where you have areas like Sun City, Sun City West, hugely Republican advantages down in Sun Lakes and sort of the Chandler Gilbert area in Maricopa County also enormously advantageous to Republicans. All these folks vote by mail. And we're talking high 80s, 90% of the voters vote by mail, huge margins for Republicans. These are folks who are uh, mostly retired, a lot of elderly, retired military, things of this nature, they're making it harder for their own voters to vote because they're afraid that more voters are going to vote generally. And it's that sort of self-defeating extremism in the rules about voting that's going to uh, have a real negative impact. And one other funny thing about this, not funny, but tragic, um, we were talking on a uh, Recorders Association phone call because, as you know, I'm the chief deputy recorder down in Tucson, which is the Pima County area now. Uh, after coming out of office in Maricopa County, um, we were on a call where we statewide Maricopa County, Arizona, if you added one second onto the processing of every mail-in ballot that showed up this year, one second, at 1.9 million ballots, you're adding 500 hours of work to the workload. Now, to take out an extra sheet of paper from that envelope and to have to process it against the envelope and against the voter record is going to add a heck of a lot more than one second worth of work per envelope. 
And at 1.9 million, every second counts. And so the less efficient they make it, the harder they make it on voters and administrators, they're just adding on enormous costs to this thing. And, you know, these are supposed to be fiscally conservative folks. The best systems exist in Arizona, and they just don't want to admit it because they all just want to keep swallowing that lie that Donald Trump is feeding them. And they're just kind of taking it down like it's, you know, like it's so much beer at a college frat party. It's crazy. Right. Like associating yourself with Trump really helped anyone running for major office, elected office in in Arizona in 2020 and 2018. Uh, So, yeah, so they're making it more expensive. Uh, They're adding bureaucracy. Uh, and they're disenfranchising a lot of their own voters. I have, I have, my grandparents lived in uh, Sun City for uh, Sun Lakes for a really long time. To have to have them go and get a, a driver's license or an ID, it's just it's it's difficult. Uh, and so you know, it it'll be interesting. They must know that the number of disenfranchised Republican voters is smaller than the number of disenfranchised or would be disenfranchised Democratic voters, or they wouldn't do this unless they're just dumb. But that's the thing. They don't know that. And as a proportion of voters, they, they don't have any way of, of, of really measuring that. Because the reality is there are more Republicans who vote by mail than there are Democrats. There's more of their base votes by mail and is used to voting by mail. Remember, about by mail in Arizona and the permanent early vote list, all that stuff started under Republican administrations to advantage Republican voters. The entire early voting system was engineered towards this very specific demographic of folks who did not have a lot of mobility. They did not get out that often. Uh, They did not have the capacity to get out and about. Uh, And so really sending them the ballot, having the signature verification system uh, that is very secure. Most of the, the foundations for these systems were built under the administration before mine, and that was a 28-year-long Republican stint at the county recorder's office in Maricopa. And so what we have here is a dismantling of a system that was actually advantageous to Republicans and kept Republicans in power in Arizona under the guise of disadvantaging politically Democrats who have shown to be a lot more flexible in the way that they talk to and encounter their voters. Uh, the clear evidence of that is the voting patterns and timing of turning in ballots in the 2020 election. So there's a lot of factors here. And I just don't think that they had an intelligent analysis go through, particularly for Arizona's voters. Uh, there would have been better ways for them to uh, advantage or disadvantage politically. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, one of the things that's super important, I mentioned earlier, that Stanford study shows. You know, changing these systems doesn't have that big of a partisan advantage or disadvantage. And I think the mythology that they live under is putting them in a position to hurt voters across the political spectrum. That's why I'm so concerned about it. This is, as far as I'm concerned, I'm an American first. And as an election administrator, I wanted to treat all voters with as much equity as possible, right? Get those that have been uh, traditionally underserved, served well, and get those that had been traditionally voting aware of the time, place, and manner of their elections also. Uh, so I, I just think they're just doing it wrong and for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. Every American, regardless of party, should have easy access to the ballot box. That's how we elect representatives who represent us. Uh, and, you know, if you're a, a majority red state with majority Republicans, then Republicans should represent that state. I am 100% in agreement with that. 
Um, I don't like their ideas, and I think they're incorrect. But we need to represent the people uh, that, that we want to be constituents of. I have a couple questions about the upcoming redistricting and the uh, January 29th electors bill, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Allform, bringing beautiful, customizable furniture to every room in your home. I love this company. Allform crafts the most gorgeous, high-quality sofas and chairs, made to your specifications, and then delivered directly to you with fast, free shipping. You customize your own sofa using premium materials, and you do it at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. With Allform, you can pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch-resistant, great for the pod pet parents. Uh, The sofa color, you pick the legs, the type, the finish, the sofa size, the shape. You make sure it's perfect for you and your home. I got a three-seater sofa. I customized it with whiskey leather, walnut leg finish, and a chaise lounge. It came in a couple of days. I put it together myself. I'm crazy about it. It's roomy and modern. I especially love that it was designed just to my specifications. Normally, if you want to order a new sofa, especially a custom one, it takes weeks or months to arrive, and you need someone to come assemble it in your home. But all form just takes three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes with no tools. Allform has gorgeous armchairs and love seats, all the way up to eight-seat sectionals. So there's something for everyone, and you can start small and build if you, you know, if your family grows or you move into a bigger house. It'll all match. And if you want your Allform sofa to grow and change with you, uh, best of all, you get a hundred days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com/dailybeans. And Allform is offering twenty percent off all orders for listeners at allform.com/dailybeans. Hey everybody, welcome back. We are uh, getting, we're lucky today. We get to speak with uh, former Maricopa County recorder, chief administrator of elections in Maricopa County there, uh, Adrian Fontes. Uh, and before we took a break, um, Adrian, I wanted to ask you about, we, you've got some up, upcoming redistricting and we talked uh, about it a little bit before we started the interview uh, about where in the state that new district is going to is going to be and how and if you if you think it's fair and how you think it's going to impact upcoming elections yeah well the conventional wisdom out there tends to ignore some of the political and data-driven stuff right it, it, it a lot of folks are saying out in the east valley of maricopa county which is where uh one of the new lds temples is has been put in and in the last 10 years it's been monstrously uh quick in its growth uh, so that's one candidate in the west part of the valley, Gilbert Chandler, Queen Creek area. Uh, then some people are saying it should be in the West Valley, which is around the Glendale football stadium, sort of in the west side of the Metro Phoenix area. Um, and, and and that's not a bad candidate either. Lots of growth down there uh, and out in that area. But I would contend that the best place and the most sensible place to put it uh, is right in the middle. Literally make a, a, a downtown cosmopolitan arts and sports district, quickly growing, densely populated district right in the middle of uh, Maricopa County. And that would do a couple of things. First and foremost, you could take from four different sitting members of Congress. You can take from uh, Representative Schweikert up in the Paradise Valley slash Scottsdale area. That's District 6. You could take from Ruben Gallego down in uh, South Phoenix and West Phoenix. That's District 7. Debbie Lesko, District 8, which is the northwest part of the Metro Phoenix area. And uh, the, uh, and District 9, uh, which is Greg Stanton. So two Democrats, two Republicans. You carve a little bit out of each one and you can plop it right in the middle. It is an incredibly quickly growing area. 
downtown Phoenix is is popping up cranes and and new buildings for multifamily housing, like so many weeds, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a mid February afternoon here in the Metro Phoenix area, which is where our spring starts. So it's really one of those things where I think looking forward to the next 10 years, not just growth today, but moving it forward. Now, that can get you much closer to a relatively good five to five split. We've got nine congressional seats right now. We've got four to five uh, Republican to Democrats in Congress. I'm pretty sure the Republicans think it would be better if it was more evenly split. And I don't think that the Democrats want to give up. So if you went five to five, you could move one of those districts to be a little more competitive. That 10th district in the middle, uh, I think current uh, Congressperson, uh, Congressman Stanton lives there. That to me makes the most sense out of all of them because you're not just picking on one or two districts, you're picking on four. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's sort of the wisdom of Solomon splitting the baby, both geographically, metaphorically, politically, and all other ways makes the most sense to me. But then I'm just a student of the numbers and the logic behind things. What do I know? <laughs> You're just the former county recorder. What do you what know? I know. Uh, I, I only ran the second biggest election in the history of, <laughs> uh, of, of the, in, you know, because Maricopa County people don't realize it's the second biggest voting jurisdiction in the country. Right. Two point six million voters. We've got five congressional, six, five congressional districts completely inside of our county, completely inside of one county. It's huge. Only L.A. County is bigger. And uh, yeah, so, you know, this is no small potatoes out here. It's, it's fun. And it's, it's nice right now. Yeah, no, I live in San Diego. I remember a couple decades ago when you passed us as the seventh largest city. Uh, and, and San Diego, we we were like, what? Phoenix is bigger than us. Okay. It's huge. It's massive. The Phoenix Metro area is gigantic. And, um, it's, it's, I, I like the idea that you're saying to kind of plop that district right in the middle, take from two Republicans, take from two Democrats and get closer to a kind of a split, uh, legislature. And, uh, I wanted to talk uh, for just a minute before I let you go. Back in January, a bill was proposed in Arizona in the state legislature uh, that would allow. Okay, so going back to uh, a lot of Trump supporters and their complaints about the 2020 election, uh, talking about how they really wanted um, the states to be able to just forget about the Joe Biden electors and appoint their whole new slate of electors to to vote for Trump. All of those suits were completely dismissed uh, because, well, first of all, ex post facto, we've already run the election. We have to use the election laws that were in place at the time we had the election. And then there was jokingly, I had said on this program, uh, but hey, state legislatures, you get to, by the Constitution, decide how you pick your electors. And if you want to disenfranchise all of your citizens and allow yourselves to pick your own slate of electors just and throw away all of the votes in your state... Uh, go ahead and try to pass that law. Well, apparently, Arizona went ahead and tried to pass that law. Where where are we at with with that? You you said uh, earlier before we were talking that you think that bill is uh, DOA. Yeah, well, it wasn't DOA because it did arrive. <laughs> it did arrive, <laughs> and a whole lot of people uh, kind of got up in arms about it. Uh, you know, yeah these 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 folks are just. <sighs> You know, name calling is just not something that I like to do, but I'll do it anyway. They're just like nuts. Is it constitutional? 
uh, you can make a colorable and a reasonable argument that it is. Does it make any sense? No freaking way. Not under any rubric. Does it make sense? Because people understand uh, that we've been moving further and further away uh, you know, from the rule of the philosopher kings as laid out by Plato and more and more towards a true democracy. Uh, and the idea that the state legislature will send its uh, U.S. Senate representatives um, and not the people sending those is an outdated uh, anachronism. And, and it's 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 very well be constitutional, but it certainly doesn't make any sense. That bill died, as I understand it. But this is Arizona and we are still in session. And so it could come back. Um, theoretically, there's rules that, that may very well allow it. And uh, interestingly, you know, uh, Representative Bullock, uh, Shauna Bullock, who introduced the legislation, I believe it was hers in the first place. Her husband's on the Arizona Supreme Court, and uh, she's the one that ran her campaign out of a P.O. box, not listing her true address back in the past, and then got all up in arms because she had a protected address. Uh, and then her son, working for the campaign of my opponent, went and published their address under that guy's campaign finance uh, disclosures. Really, really fun stuff happens here in Arizona, Allison. I got to tell you. So, uh, as to the bill, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's realistic. And uh, if Democrats take the House in 2022, boy, the Republicans certainly wouldn't want uh, the Democrats picking the electors in 2024. Uh, so I, I think wiser heads, uh, cooler heads prevailed on that one. Yeah. I mean, you know, technically, uh, you could argue that if a state legislator, a state legislature wanted to decide who their uh, candidate or their electors were for uh, for president, they could have a dance off and then a singing competition and, uh, you know, and then count the votes, but do it opposite day where the, all the Republican votes go to Democrats. I mean, they could make up whatever rules they want. Technically, and, pr- and especially if you know your your husband's on the Supreme Court, probably get it through. I think we'd probably uh, <laughs> do. I think out here we should probably do like we would do poker. Yeah, uh, uh, and it would yeah. be like in a dusty saloon somewhere up in maybe Strawberry or New River. I think that would be the best place to do it. Certainly, they could host it up in Dead Man Wash Precinct or Biscuit Flats Precinct, very Arizona places. Yeah, or you could. You could have a, a tubing contest on the Salt River, maybe. I could see that happening. Or we could all go to Skateland, uh, figure that out, Go maybe go down to Tombstone, you know, and have a shootout. Uh, you're dating yourself. I, I don't know that Skateland's around anymore, but Tombstone certainly is. So. <laughs> or Rawhide. You could play the chicken in tic-tac-toe, and whoever wins gets to decide who the president's going to be for that. So, anyway. Wow, you're getting deep. You're going deep on those references. <laughs> Deep cuts from Arizona. Arizona. All you need is a Lutz Casino and Yuma reference, and you'd make the trifecta right there. We could bring up Barizona. We could use that as well. I don't know. We'll we'll figure we'll figure something out. But uh, yeah, the people. I mean, how many of how many Arizonans would be Republicans and Democrats would be like? Excuse me, my vote doesn't count. Uh, uh, so, you know, hope that's, hopefully that's why cooler heads prevailed. Anyway, it's been so great talking to you. Uh, where can we follow, uh, you and find more information, uh, especially about the current situation of what's going on in Arizona and how can people help, uh, to support, uh, the kind of, uh, voters rights access that, that y'all are, are working towards. Well, you can, uh, follow some of the stuff I'm doing at adrianfontes.com. That's A-D-R-I-A-N-F-O-N-T-E-S.com. 
Uh, we've got a splash page up looking at working on some projects coming out once I'm done with my tenure uh, working for government down in Pima County. Uh, that should be coming up by the time April gets, gets rolling. Um, as far as helping uh, folks uh, or following the right folks, there's a lot of organizations here in Arizona that are doing some really good work. Lucha is one of them, uh, Living United for Change in Arizona. Uh, Tomorrow We Vote has some folks here. Um, the, you know, kind of a lot of the uh, usual players. Uh, the ACLU is doing a ton of work. They could probably refer folks. But some of our local advocates in the actual House and Senate in Arizona, I would suggest uh, Senator Martin Casada, real smart guy, friend of mine, uh, Representative Athena Salmon, uh, Representative Reginald Balding, smart guy. Uh, Rebecca Rios is also in the legislature. She's, um, you know, one of those folks to pay attention to. So we've got some leaders who are on the front edge of this. And let's not forget, uh, if you know Republicans or you are a Republican in Arizona and you think this is nuts, you got to contact your folks, too, because everybody's got to be in on this game. So I would suggest that the reasonable independents and Republicans reach out to those legislators on the red side of the aisle and let them know that this kind of shenanigans against voters is not against the Democratic Party. It's against democracy itself. And that is a vicious, vicious thing. So I'm hoping that folks will, uh, you know, kind of help out, pitch in, contact some of those folks and, uh, yeah, get on it. Cause, uh, this is a, this is, this is rough stuff and support HR one. Can I throw that in there? Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Cause that's, cause that's a big deal. Yeah. And the John Lewis voting rights act. Uh, but, uh, well, thank you uh, very much for, for going over these things with me today. I appreciate it. You know, I spent many, many years in, in Arizona. I consider it uh, my home state. So, And I'll let you know if I decide to run against Gosar or run for the state legislature. I'll, I'll contact you first. Uh, but that man, he keeps daring me, Dentist Gosar. He keeps staring at me. Well, I'll tell you what, you you are a veteran of the United States Navy and a, uh, a, a, an unashamed owner of firearms. And I think that that district needs some, some reasonable heads. Uh, you might not do too bad up there because I don't think that they're too happy with him and his sedition. You know, a lot of those folks like the Constitution more than they like their party. So uh, let me know. Yeah, and it's and it's. And it's kind of all about getting other voters out into other districts, too. You know, it's 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 not just about the one specific thing. But I will definitely let you know. I appreciate you spending time with me today. Thank you very much. Adrian Fontes. Thanks so much. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. My wonderful listeners, each of you are unique, important, one of a kind. There's nobody on the planet like you. So why would you buy a generic mass-produced mattress built for everyone else? This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Helix, who recognizes we are unique and we all sleep differently. They customize the mattress to fit you and the way you sleep best. We've all had trouble sleeping from time to time. I haven't slept well for the past four years. I thought it was the daily stress of the orange man in the White House, the former guy, plaguing my nightmares. But as it turns out, my mattress was not custom made for me. That's when I found Helix. Helix created an online sleep quiz. It takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress. So if you like a mattress that's soft or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your belly or your back, or if you sleep really hot like I do, with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everyone's unique taste. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take their 
two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. It is so comfortable. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 sleeps, no risk. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. Uh, Monday, Monday good news is always awesome good news. It really is. I love starting my week off with this. It's just, it's just nice. It's, it's a good energy uh, way to set the energy. It really is, especially on this cold, rainy San Diego day, which right? we get we get five of over the year. (laughs) (laughs) Today is one of those days. Uh, uh, So I'm super excited about this. Everybody, if you have anything to submit, anything you want to submit to us, uh, want us to guess your dog's breeds, if you want us to, you want to tell us about misheard lyrics, or if you have a dispute, you want settled in Amy's court, you have a confession, correction, good news, um, happy place pictures, pod pets, grandkids, children, whatever you got. Go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. That's how you send it in. I'm going to kick us off with uh, a submission here from an anonymous person, pronoun she and her. Hey, Beans Queens crew, good news. This is Monica in Texas. Okay, she's not anonymous. My mother and I (laughs) live together and we're both in the high risk group. And I am also an essential worker and a flight attendant. Oh, my gosh. We have been semi-patiently waiting our turns on the the county vaccine list. And after two months, our day finally came. We both have now gotten our first dose of the Pfizer vaccine, and I'm so excited to finally be moving toward the end of COVID. Granted, nationally, and especially thanks to fucking Abbott, there's a long way to go. But it's such a huge relief to be moving in the right direction. I so appreciate the way y'all do the news. Uh, and with all the laughs along the way. Thanks for being you. Unfortunately, we don't have any pets right now, so my pod tax is my great niece's attempt to make snow angels in the Texas snowstorm. The older one is the blue bob, and the younger one is in pink. Look at that snow coming down, A.G. Oh, my gosh. That is incredible. What a great shot, too. That's a beautiful house, too. That's a good Christmas tree window right there. Right? That's a good Christmas tree window. All oh, right. God. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. And congratulations on your first shot. Stop scrolling ahead. I'm sorry. Stop it. All right. This next one's from Anonymous, really anonymous. This is uh, pronouns he and they. Misheard song lyrics time. So this made amusing most by the mo- the means I discovered my mistake. But here goes. I've always heard the song as video killed the radio store. Video killed the radio store. And assume the song was about technology making jobs redundant. I realized my mistake when I happened upon a deep fake video of JFK and Nixon singing the song and had to double check to make sure... <laughs> Attached for pod pet tax to the pictures of my roommates, cats, Pepper and Turmeric, which are great names, and Termi, um, or Termi for short. Oh my goodness. I, 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 this, can you see why I was laughing? Yes, I know. It's so cute. Isn't he the best? He's adorable. He does not look happy about the blanket, even though the, he looks, he's got to be warm. I think he has resting, resting grump face. This is such a cute breed of cat like tiny tiny ears like a garfield face with the tiny tiny ears what a honey it looks like a garfield cat (laughs) you look at the black kitty with the thing on it oh okay oh my goodness (sighs) 
And so a chip great. clip? I think it's playing with a chip clip. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Dude, the stuff mm-hmm. that, uh, shit, you know, you spend a ton of money on cat toys and they end up playing with chip clips. Hilarious. Why don't you take the next two? They're pretty short. All right, sweet. I will. Here we go. From Philip, pronouns he and him. I love your show. I listen every day. Quick question. At the end of every podcast, you say that our copy is written by Jesse Egan. What's the copy? Is it the text for the ads? The text for the show? The text for the podcast description? Something else. It's driving me nuts. Thank you again for keeping me informed. Yeah. Jesse Egan writes our ad copy. That's who writes our ad copy. Thank you for that question, Philip. Now you know. Next up from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. My husband and I got our first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Yes. Our CVS here in San Joaquin County, California, uh, had a written waiting list for unused doses. Oh, nice. put us on the list earlier this week. And within three days, we got the call. Check your local pharmacies for wait lists. Like I said, this was a handwritten wait list. And she even had it when when we got our shots and I watched her cross our names off. It was so satisfying. My arm is sore, but in the best way. Love you all. Look at it. Love it. Yay. Good. Two more vaccinated. And that's the best way to do it. If there's leftovers, take them so that you do not get thrown out. All right, this next one's from Nicole, pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. Thank you for keeping me sane. I look forward to listening even when the news is at its shittiest because you always deliver it with truth and humor. Plus, the occasional rogue dildo story keeps my spirits up. <laughs> no pun intended. Rogue dildo story. Yeah. Okay. I've heard song lyric. I have a misheard song lyric story, and I guess the and I guess the breed. My daughter was listening to music with me, and America was playing, and America was playing. She looked perplexed. <laughs> What, I read ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> she looked perplexed and asked me, "How would a horse go through the desert with no legs?" <laughs> I've been through the desert on a, a horse, horse with, with no, no legs. legs. <laughs> okay. She was about five then, and I tried very hard not to laugh and explain that um, it said no name, a horse with no name. Still my favorite way to sing that to this day. God, that's hysterical. I love kids. Now for my pod pet tax. I present three doggos. I know the breeds, but I wanted to test your awesome knowledge. My girl Jinx, the brown one, she's 14, and we got her from a friend whose two dogs had an oopsie litter, (laughs) so we knew the parents. Uh, She's still sassy. For the two boys, they are three. Litter mates bonded and often share a brain. We got them from a friend with an oopsie litter of 12. Mama was an older girl and dad was the neighbor's six-month-old puppy. What a cougar. Who was about 110 pounds at that point. He's a big guy now at 125. You go, girl. All right. We got... Okay. okay. So the two boys are the, the black labs looking ones, right? Yeah. And dad was a six-month-old puppy that was 110, and now he's 125. I would I mean, that's a big dog, maybe Mastiff. Yeah, or... Look at the third picture. That looks like a great Mastiff head. It does. Mmm, Mastiff Lab. And I've never said that Mastiff Lab before. What do you think? Mastiff Lab? I definitely, yeah. Okay, and now the brown one. Now, we're always wrong with this. Another oopsie. With two yeah. dogs, and she's fourteen. Oh, you again? I got a shepherd beagle. It looks like a shagle. I know it looks like a shagle to me too. All right, Staffordshire Terrier and fucking Sharpe. Because yeah, those seriously. are the- <laughs> let's just go with those because that's what they. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. Okay, the results are. Jinx, mom was Shetland Sheepdog, an Australian Blue Heeler. Dad was Rottweiler, an American Bulldog. We didn't get either of those, dear. 
Uh, she looks like mom, but will stand like a bulldog and hulk out her chest muscles when the boys bother her. Now for Blue and Orion, okay, that was for, oh, Jesus Christ. That was for the brown dog. That was for the brown dog. So the brown dog is Shetland Sheepland, Jesus, Shetland Sheepdog, an Australian blue healer mixed with Rottweiler and American Bulldog. Okay, we didn't get any of that. Nope. And we then didn't. we've got those two black dogs are Chocolate Lab and Dad is a Rottweiler. Roddy. Mastiff Roddy, very close. Yeah. Very close. But that is a big baby. Big baby indeed. 125. My goodness. Oh, I wonder who the dad was, if the dad was the Rottweiler or the Chocolate Lab. Mom is the chocolate lab. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. What beautiful babies, regardless of where they came from. I was operating under the under the uh, uh, incorrect assumption that the little brown dog had a mom and dad that were single breeds. I didn't know they were mixed breeds themselves. Oh. So, but I wouldn't. I even though I thought you know, um, beagle, shepherd, none of it. Which actually, you do realize that increased our chances by four, and we still missed all of them. <laughs> yeah, we did miss all of them. We should just say Blue Healer all the time from I now know. on. I know. Oh, my hmm. God. All right. Next up, from Dr. Larry, parental brag time. I've been bursting at the seams to share this good news, but every time I'm ready to do it, more good news comes, so I have to wait. Anyhow, it was a bad news 2020 overall for everyone, but there were a few bright spots for us. As bad news, good news... Uh, part Okay, this is part bad news, part good news. Our daughter in Portland was working at a restaurant while she pursued her passion of art and graphic design and costume. When it shut down, we told her to move back with us to Orange County while she worked on her application to uh, FITM, right? That's the... Uh, what I can't remember what that stands for, but it's like the top design school in the country. Here, let me look it up, because I, yes. I can't remember. Uh, let's what see if I can get it. Fashion uh, Institute of Design and Merchandising. There you go. <laughs> now... Back to the story. She got accepted. So being with us would help during the interim. Then the Festival of Wales announced a contest for the 50th anniversary logo. I know this. And she got to work on, com- on coming up with a, a design. Watching her work uh, on this was amazing. And she finished the, pr- the finished product was quite mind blowing. And she won. Yes. So. Today was the commendation ceremony, and now her logo is blowing up on their website, their Instagram. A brewery made a beer with her logo, and there are sweatshirts and T-shirts. That's awesome. Anyhow, my wife and I are very proud of her. And just to know, this this is the start, actually, more of a continuation of many great things. She's going to FIDM, F-I-D-M, for costume design, for film and television. So expect to see her designs on small and big screens in the future. Meanwhile, you can check out her website at, uh, I think it's Lynn... Leah? LynnLeahMichaels.com. That's L-Y-N-L-E-A Michaels.com. Really, check it out. Shameless plug. Need a logo? Need art? She'll take commissions. Larry Singer, thank you so much for this. Oh, and with our daughter came a wonderful cat, Kona. So I guess I'm supposed to include pet tags, even though for the first few times I heard it, I thought you were asking for pet tags. (laughs) Misheard lyrics. Also... Check out the Festivals of Wales Instagram for some more cool photos of her logo being used. It's a really awesome logo. Uh, Oh, cool. He's attached it. We'll put it in the newsletter. Let me just give a compliment dessert. I'm really proud of all this podcast has become and all you've done, Allison. It's great to have been here from the early days. Oh, thank you, Larry. Look at that cool logo. Wow. That is awesome. It's beautiful. Holy cow. I love the logo. It's really, really beautiful. It really is. Oh, there's a kitty. Hello. Hello. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. And that's fantastic news. Thank you for sharing with us. This next one's from Casey, pronoun she and her. I have a song mix up for you. My family teases me about this all the time. But when I was a teen, 
Take It Easy from the Eagles came out. My friends and I were convinced that it went, it's a girl, my lord, flat as a board, slowing down to to take a look at me. It's a girl, my lord, flat as a board, slowing down to take a look at me. That's apparently what she thought it was. Do you know the real lyrics to that? Uh, Yeah. It's a girl, my lord, in a flatbed Ford, slowing down, down to yeah. take a look at I guess I know the lyrics to that, too. Okay, for pod, for Pet Tax, isn't it weird how you know lyrics to songs and you're like, oh, I didn't realize that was in there somewhere. For Pet Tax, I'm including our two uh, that our family referred to as the Beans, Sienna the Ruby and Tessa the Try. Do you know the breed? They were therapy dogs before the virus hit, sent a cute one of the two together, and then one showing Sienna's feelings about spa day, and Tessa giving me side eye because Sienna was on my lap. Love your pod. Listen to it every day. Thanks for adding Dana. Yay! Oh, look at them. These look like King Charles Spaniels to me. Yeah, they're definitely Spaniels. They're not Cocker Spaniels, but they're definitely Spaniels. Boah. Oh, the side eye. Ah, <laughs> the bad. They're so cute. They are Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. Yes. Nice. Woo. We finally got some. Oh, look at the last picture. <laughs> I know the 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 bath. <laughs> oh, that was good. I know yeah. that because I watched Sex in the City, uh, and that was the kind of dog that Charlotte had a Cavalier King Charles. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I read ahead this time. Back from the nineties. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Here we go from Casey, pronoun she and her. And I don't know what's coming yet. I haven't read ahead yet, but it must be funny. I've been enjoying your misheard lyrics. My hearing is terrible, so I have dozens of stories. But my favorite, I spent the year thinking Guns N' Roses were singing Take Me Down to the Very Nice City. Take me down to the very nice city where the grass is green and the girls are pretty. Take me home. Oh. My husband laughed so hard. He almost drove off the road when I belted out a lyric, the lyric on a car trip, and now we always sing it that way. Good. I love doing, I love it. Sing it your way, you know, sing it the misheard way. (laughs) The very nice city. Whenever I'm in D.C. and I'm (laughs) taking the fucking metro and I see Pentagon City, I'm all, please take me down to Pentagon City. Yeah, um, it's... Always, always that. Yeah. I just jumped. I did it again. I jumped ahead to one of the cat's names. You'll laugh when you get there. Well, it's a fantastic cat name. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. It's pet tax. Here are pictures of my three cats. Frank Lloyd Bite. (laughs) Orange fluffy boy. Oh, you missed a good paragraph. You missed a good paragraph right in the middle. Oh, for good news, everyone in my family is either vaccinated or has an appointment except for me. Such a huge, except for me, oh, soon, soon, Casey. Such a huge relief. I don't mind waiting a couple more months for mine. Oh, good news. Such good news. Now, as pet tax, here are pictures of my three cats, Frank Lloyd Bite, <laughs> Janelle Meowne, Janelle Meowne, <laughs> and Pounce de Leon, little organic Come baby, on, little orange Meowne. baby. <laughs> I like Frank Lloyd Bite too. That's clever. Oh my goodness. Send good vibes to Leon. By the time you read this, he will be recovering from surgery. Goodbye, Trouble Puffs. Oh. Oh, look at those eyes. The brown, oh. the brown, the brown, the brown and blue. The blue, the, the blue. They're blue orange brownish. around the pupil and then blue on the outside. I've never seen eyes oh, like that. They're- Beauty. I've never. I have never once seen eyes like that in a cat. The guy in the last picture. Oh my god. That cat knows it has nice eyes too. That cat. Look at that. I know. They're so cute. Take a picture of my eyes. You know you want to. Oh, I love them. Chilling. Oh, this is so great. Thank you, everyone. This damn podcast is making me into a cat person. <laughs> you have made my Monday with all of this, and ah, uh, it's it's um. 
just that's wonderful news. And Larry, again, congrats to your daughter for that amazing logo. It was beautiful. Um, we got the Cavalier King Charles, but we didn't get the <laughs> any of the other dogs uh, except for Lab. But we said Black Lab, not even chocolate. So I don't know if that counts. Uh, but uh, these, this is just such wonderful submissions. If you have anything, send it in, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. We'd love to hear from you. Anything. Send us anything. That's it. Anything. Yeah. Any any uh, any <laughs> final words? No. I have no thoughts. I have no final words. I have any no final thoughts. I have words, nothing to say Dana? to you. No, I'm done working. <laughs> Sweet. Well, everybody, until tomorrow, take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. Final words. Them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. I saw a billboard. We were driving back from Vegas and saw a billboard that said, you know, there were for apartments for lease. And they're like, leasing information, call this number. And I was like, leasing information? How do you lease information? How, you can't give it back. Once you know something, don't you just know it? Like, And then I was like, oh, wait. Yep. You just have the moments. I had mine on the show the other day. If you were listening to the episode th- on Thursday, actually, right before you tune into this, um, they were talking about cats that didn't have any meows and they were getting lost in different a- in places and missing. And so the story was basically like the cat disappeared and it didn't have any meow. And they're like, oh, my God, we need to find it. We're going to look for the cat. We put out food. We put up signs. And in my head, my brain went... <laughs> How, who the who are the signs for? Like the, the cat's not going to know what read. the sign says. Oh my god! I, I, I the pause in the story. Pause. Get it? No pun intended. But the pause yeah, in yeah. the story. I do think people <laughs> will hear it. But it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, you're, yeah. Your first thought was signs. Cats can't read. Yeah. Cats can't read. All right. That's so great. And now, like, I want to put signs up like that. That that you know, are just a picture of a cat being like, Hey Bruce, you're missing. Come home. Right. Uh, and uh, how do we know? I mean, let's be honest. You don't know if cats can or can't read. <laughs> so no, we're just making an assumption true. there. Uh, making <clears throat> an my, assumption. My friend who's a comedian, Brian Simpson, he has this whole bit about, you know, uh, he sees lost dog signs and it's like, we, you know, we miss our boy. He wants to come home. He misses up. He misses us. And, and Brian's like, you sure? Cause the last time, last I read that dogs <laughs> can smell you from three miles away. So maybe that motherfucker chose the streets. Uh, yeah. <laughs>